welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. How is everyone doing? Good, good, good. Good, good, good. Committed to the cause. Committed to the cause. Have you enjoyed this series? It's kind of been short, three weeks. Have you liked the way we've kind of hung out in one section of Scripture there, just in John 17? We're kind of hanging out there and really going through it all. Yeah, we, we value God's Word. We want to preach from God's Word. You know, there's lots of great books. There's lots of great authors, good Christian men and women who write good books, and, and they're good things. But we know, right, when we want the truth, we preach from the Bible. We preach from God's Word. And that's what we value here, and that's what we want to continue to do as we move forward. All right, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that we get to know you and enjoy you. Father, we thank you for your word, what it teaches us. We pray, Father, that as we talk about it today, Lord, that you would anoint the words, Father, that they would not be my words but your words, that you would bless and that we would see people with pierced hearts, Lord, come to know you better, to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, committed to the cause. We're in the third week, and this is the final week. Like I said, it's kind of a short little mini-series. Week one, we talked about what's the cause, right? So what is the cause? Does anybody remember? The cause is to bring glory to God, right? So we talked about that the first week and how that's really what it's all about. That's what he has us on mission to do, is to bring glory to him. And then last week, Pastor Kevin talked about what's God's part. What is God's part in this, in the cause? And he talked about God giving us his word. He talked about Jesus sitting on the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, praying for us, keeping us. And that we can be committed to the cause because Jesus defines our truth. Jesus defines our truth. And today we're going to finish up and we're going to talk about what's our part. What's our part of this being committed to the cause? You know, um, salvation is totally grace. We don't believe that there's any works involved in salvation. We're saved by the grace of God and nothing more. But I think there is part of us, part, a part for us, as we are committed to the cause to bring, bring glory to God. So we're going to talk about that today. And as we do that, um, we just pray that God will speak to us as we go through this. Well, I've had the, the great opportunity over the past few years, probably 10 years maybe, nine to be able to lead a few mission trips from Grace Capital Church. And I have loved that. That's one of my favorite things to do, is to lead, uh, lead some mission trips and to see people come together and, and be on mission and go together. Um, some good experiences, some a little rocky. I'll just go ahead and say, if, if you were on that first mission trip that I led down to Gulfport, Mississippi, I'm sorry. That was kind of the uh, learning process or the beginning of it. It was, it was a good trip, except we missed our plane coming back. But that's okay. There was another one about eight hours later. We, we just hung out there in the Gulfport Airport. And also, I, I ran into an excavator in the van that we had borrowed. And the excavator wasn't even moving. It was just sitting there. So... Again, sorry if you were on that trip. Sorry about that. 
They're a little better now. I don't know about it for a lot. But uh, no, and speaking of that, by the way, April 1st, if you're going to go on one of our mission trips, we need to get those forms in, the applications in by April 1st. A little commercial there. But what I found out over the years is we've led mission trips and gone on mission trips is that the key factor is that we go as a team. We go together as a team, unified. That's why we do as we prepare for a trip. That's why we meet and uh, kind of define our mission and know where we're going and, and know who we're going to be serving because we want to go as a team together. And the only way we can be successful on a mission trip is if we all go with the same mission, the same vision, together. Together as a team. And you know, Jesus leads us, right? And he leads us better than I led that team to Gulfport, Mississippi. Thank goodness. (laughs) Jesus leads us perfectly. You know, he leads us perfectly. And you know, Jesus leads us as a servant. You know, Scripture says that he was being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus leads us, but he leads us from the point of being a servant. So we have that perfect model, that perfect leader in Jesus that we want to follow and be more like, as the song we just said, uh, song says. We want to be more like him. We want to be like him in unity. Because unity, that's the way the kingdom of God is when we follow Jesus' example. He... he unified the disciples. He unified the people. He brought them together to lead his vision to glorify God, committed to the cause. And remember, we're the body of Christ, right? We talked about that during the Veritas series, how we're the body of Christ and we all, all parts of the body have to work in order for the body to be healthy, right? We can't just have part of our body not carrying its load or part of our body wanting to do its own thing. That would be distracting. That would be Um, So discord, that would be uh, uh, not a good thing for the church if we were all doing our own thing. I mean, think about your own body. If your arm just wanted to do this, you wouldn't be very effective. If I stood up here in front of you like this, it wouldn't work very well, would it? No, because the body has to work in unity. The body has to work together. It's the same way even with with our uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, we we receive our gifts and we, we use our gifts, but we don't use those... Um, doing our own thing. We don't take our own agenda and use, use the gifts of the Holy Spirit in that. No, we follow the agenda of Jesus Christ to glorify God. So even with our gifts of the Holy Spirit, we have to be unified. So we can only conclude that as we learn about our gifts and as we use them, that we have to use them in a way that's unified and focused on Jesus or the end result will be confusion and chaos. Or maybe even some of us, you know, sometimes we... We receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit and and we're good and and we're moving forward, but we want it to be just all about Jesus and me. Uh, It's just Jesus and me. I don't need anybody else. I don't need all those people in the church. Well, yeah, we do need all those people in the church because the body needs to work together. Being isolated is also another word for being not in unity and disunity. We need to be together with our gifts and with what the Holy Spirit's doing in us together. We do need those people in the church because you know what? God is community. God is community. So he made, so he's made known and he's glorified through the unity of us, of believers of his church. So God, to glorify God, which is the cause, right? To glorify God, the church needs to be in unity so that we can bring glory to him completely. Division among believers, the church, 
It portrays that God is divided, and it gives a distorted view of God. If we're not in unity, what does the world see? The world doesn't see God clearly and focused. The world sees distortion, confusion, and chaos, and that's not very attractive to the world. Because I think the truth is that the world wants to know truth. They want to know truth, and they need to know who God is, and they want to know who God is. But I'm so afraid that sometimes they look at the church, and I'm not talking just Grace Capital Church, I'm talking the church of Jesus Christ, and they see disunity, discord, fighting, infighting, and that's what the view of God is that they see. It's distorted. It's not real. It's not focused. It's not who the true God is. So for all of us as individuals, for all of us as the body of Christ, being committed to the cause and glorifying God, it mandates that we have to be unified. We have to be unified. We have to be together in the mission, in the vision of glorifying God, committed to the cause. So what does that look like? What does that look like to be in unity together? Well, we're going to look in, uh, in the Word, and we're going to see that. We're going to jump to our scripture in John 17. If you want to start turning there, that's fine. Uh, we'll get there in just a minute. John 17. If you remember Pastor Kevin's first message in this series, he talked about this is really uh, the last prayer of Jesus that we have recorded. The last prayer that Jesus prayed on earth. And when he asked the question, Pastor Kevin asked the question, what would you say or what would you do for your la- if you knew this was your last prayer? Well, Jesus chose to pray for us. He chose to pray for us because he loves us. Jesus loves us so much that the, one of the very last things that he was recorded doing in his last recorded prayer was for us so that we could be unified. Do you know how much Jesus loves us? Now, this may be a little bit of a sidebar, but I think it, some of us need to hear this. Jesus loves you. In Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 23, Jesus, again, was speaking. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He was looking over the city. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. Jesus loved us so much. He wanted to gather us up. He wanted to cover us and protect us. He still wants to cover us and protect us. He wants us to be under his wings. He loves us that deeply. You need to understand that. If you're here today and you don't understand how deeply Jesus loves you, think about that. Think about his words, how he wants to cover you like a a mother hen covering her chicks, making sure they're all covered and taken care of. We're Jesus' daily delight. Did you know that you're Jesus' daily delight? Look at the person sitting next to you and say, I'm Jesus' daily delight. Yeah. And then you can say, so are you. He is our da- we are his daily delight. You know, Jesus, even at the very beginning, Jesus was here. Jesus was here. He was with God when he, God created the universe. He was here. In the beginning, God created the universe, and it talked about we. Jesus was part of that. Jesus walked in the garden with God, the Father. It's a... Fellowship with Adam and Eve throughout. And then let's switch over to Proverbs 8. You don't have to go there if you don't want to. 
It talks, this is a, a kind of a prophecy, a foreshadowing of Jesus. Proverbs 8, starting in, in verse 27, it says, When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him. Jesus, I was beside him like a master workman. Jesus wasn't just sitting there looking on as God was creating this. He was the master workman. He was helping intricately involved in creating all the the great things that God created. And I was was daily his delight. So Jesus was daily the Father's delight. Rejoicing before him always. Rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Delighting in the children of man. Jesus delights in us, the children of man. We are his daily delight. We need to remember that. We need to know that deep down in our soul that we are Jesus' daily delight. Yes. Okay, so that was a little sidebar. We're going to go back to John 17, uh, back to the scripture uh, that we were focused on. John 17, we're going to start with verses 10 and 11, and then we're going to skip down to uh, verses 20 through 26. So here's what God's word says. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Let's just read that verse again. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. That shows a unity of the Godhead, right? Yours are mine. Mine are yours. There's no jealousy. There's no uh, uh, fighting back and forth. No, yours are mine, and mine are yours. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus wants us to be one, even as the Trinity is one. Then down in verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their, through their word. So I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. Jesus isn't just praying for the people there with him, but he's praying for those who are going to believe through their word, through the generation. That's us. He was praying for us here, you and me that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you are in me. So I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me, loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved may be in them and I in them. Jesus' prayer for us. His last prayer here on earth, and he spent a big chunk of it praying for us, praying for you and me. Not just praying for those who were there with him, but praying for those who would hear through them. That's us. And I wonder, do you think as Jesus prayed that in his mind's eye he saw the church today? 
and he saw the church today walking in unity together? Do you think he saw the Baptists and the Presbyterians and the Lutherans and the Foursquare Church unified together? Unified together. Those churches that say, no, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. Do you think Jesus, in his mind's eye during this time, saw us in unity? I think so. I think he saw the perfect vision of the church, of what he wants us to be, unified together, not against each other, not bickering, not arguing about little insignificant things that don't matter, but he saw us together as a force committed to the cause to bring glory to God the Father. Jesus' vision for his church is unity. You know, some of us were sitting, some of the pastors were talking about this the other day, and we wonder, how does Jesus see the church now? Does he see denominations, or denominations, do they even matter? And we didn't really come up with an answer. But I think denominations are okay, because I think different groups of people have different personalities, different ways that they like to worship, and that's okay. That's a way to bring the body together in unity because we have different expressions so that we can be unified on those things that really matter. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So why? Why then does it seem so easy for us to become fractured or in discord or in disunity? Why does it seem so easy for that to happen? And I'm sure that we can all name some things that maybe you've seen in the past or, or you've seen today that might cause division in the, in the body. You know, really, they're probably the same type of things that would bring division in a family or a business or a company or even a social or a civic group. I think the three big things, though, that cause discord and disunity in the church are pride, pride, and pride. I think it's the pride of, of when we think we know better of what the cause of Christ is and we want to do it our way. And we want to take things in our direction. We want to carry our own agenda. Pride can so easily worm itself in to our lives and our churches that we forget about the cause of Christ. And we think about the cause of us. Or the cause of our church. Or the cause of our denomination. But no, it's about the cause of Christ. Or we even forget that we're following Jesus. And we start to follow someone else. Without the regard to the cause of Christ. To glorify the Father. In 1 Corinthians 3, 3 through 7, we read. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human, human way? If there's jealousy and strife among you. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? And this is Paul writing this. What is Paul? Servants through whom he believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Only God. We're not following one person or another or one denomination or another. We're following the Lord Jesus Christ. We're committed to the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's to bring glory to the Father. Bringing glory to the Father. So if we're to stay unified, we have to remember that. We have to remember that the cause is glorifying God. We must keep our eyes on Him and off of ourselves and our own agenda. We have to keep our eyes on the Father. The cause of Christ unifies us. Always. Always. 
always. If there's something going on that's causing discord, is it the cause of Christ? No, the cause of Christ brings us together. It unifies us. You know, Jesus spoke of unity here and as he prayed for us in John 17. But we can see throughout the Bible, even in the Old Testament, we can go back and, and see how God hates discord and division. Let's look at Proverbs 6. Um, if you don't want to turn there, you can write these down. Proverbs 6, um, 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. It's interesting. It starts out and says there are six things that the Lord hates and seven that are an abomination to him. The seventh is one who sows discord. I think the seventh is even more hated than the previous six. I think that's the, uh, uh, the urgency that, that God put on these words, saying that there are six things that I hate, seven that are an abomination. Bringing discord, sowing discord among brothers. We don't want to go there. But let's flip over to Psalm 133. I'll write that down. And see, this reflects how God feels about us when we're in unity. We can, we can kind of contrast these two scriptures back to back and see how does God view us when we're in unity. Psalm 33, this is a psalm that David wrote as the people were gathering in Jerusalem. They were coming up to Jerusalem to worship in the temple together in unity. It says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life evermore. Compare these two. Six things that God hates, seven that are abomination, versus this, coming to unity, coming together to worship him and to bring glory to God, the Father. Glorifying God in unity. Glorifying God in unity, that's how we do it. That's how we're committed to the cause when we glorify God together in unity. You know, those of us who know Jesus, we know scripture. We're in his word every day, right? We're in his word, we know scripture. But you know, how many of your friends who don't know Jesus know the word? How many of them are in scripture? I would dare say very few. So we know what unity looks like, what unity sounds like, because we can read it in the Word. But the world reads us. And what do they see when they read a church where people are sowing discord among the brothers? Do they see a God that is attractive? And do they see a God that is full of grace and mercy and love? Or do they see discord and disunity and dysfunction? something that they don't want to be a part of. I'm afraid they see a body of believers who gather together every Sunday and claim to be in unity. They worship together. But then the Sunday service is over. They lead through the doors, sowing discord, hurting the body, complaining about some of the things that the church does, complaining about some of the things that the church doesn't do, 
complaining about what this pastor said or what that pastor said or didn't say or didn't do. Unity of the body. Unity of the body. I'd rather the world see unity and community. It's no accident that the word unity is part of community. Unity together. I'd rather the world see that. And they go beyond that. They go beyond worshiping here together on Sunday. It doesn't mean that we come here on Sunday and and worship together and go our own way. Because really, that's what happened as Pastor Kevin was talking about Palm Sunday. Think about it. All those people lined up along the road. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. They seemed like they were in unity together, right? On Palm Sunday. But then fast forward a little bit to Friday. Where were they? The seeds of discord had been sown. And they had fled. They weren't together. So why? Why do we need to be in unity? Well, it's pretty simple. If we go to verse 23, straight from the word. John 17, 23. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So there's the why. So that the world may know, the world may know. Others can see. It's not just for us. He doesn't want us to be in unity so that we can be all one big happy country club together. No, it's so the world can see us and know that God loves them just like he loved Jesus. That's the why. Committed to the, cro- the cause so that the world will know. Committed to the cause so the world will know. God wants his church in unity. Jesus prayed for that. Even as he was facing this holy week that we call it. This week of a time where emotions were so high. A time where he was going to be murdered. And buried and resurrected. Jesus spoke of unity, of the unity of the body. The only way that the church of Jesus Christ, his bride, that's what he calls us, the only way that we can reflect the true glory, love, acceptance, forgiveness, and mercy of God is to be in unity. Any manifestation of discord only serves to distort God's image. It will only distort God's image. The only way that Grace Capital Church can reflect the true glory, love, acceptance, forgiveness, and mercy of God is to be in unity. Any manifestation of discord within this church, local church body, will only distort God's image in our community, those people that we're wanting to serve. You know, our vision, we want to create these communities that build people up, that build families up, that build leaders up so that we can know God, we can enjoy God. must be done in unity. The only way that you and I can reflect the true glory, love, acceptance, forgiveness of God is to be in unity with each other. Any manifestation of discord in us only distorts God's image to those who know us and those who are watching and reading what we do. And this can seem like a hard message, but it's timely. 
We all need to hear it and consider it. You know, as we've gone through as a church, we've gone through a transition. And it's been a hard transition. It's been hard for you, the, the body, the congregation. It's been hard for us, the staff and the pastors. But we must continue in unity. And I can tell you today that your leaders, your pastors, your staff, your elders, your church council are in unity together. We're moving forward. We're claiming this city for the kingdom of God. We're claiming communities all around this state for the cause of Christ, to glorify God. So how has the enemy sown seeds of discord in your life? Have we taken our eyes off of the cause of Christ to glorify God and put them on something else or someone else? Do we think we have all the answers to all the questions in the church, in our lives? Do we get caught up in the water cooler talk and let seeds of discord be sown in our lives? Sometimes we think we know every decision that needs to be made and we think it should be our way. Maybe we think our agenda is the right agenda for the church, for the body. Each part of the body has its own part to play. Or maybe the seeds of discord have been sown in a much more personal way. Maybe there's someone sitting on the other side of this room who you're in discord with, who you need to have a conversation with. Maybe you need to say, I'm sorry. Or maybe you need to hear them say, I'm sorry. Unity, it starts here. Maybe one of the pastors, maybe one of the leaders has done something that has kind of turned you the wrong way. And if that's the case, if discord has been sown that way, come talk to us. We're here. I can promise you there are none of us who intentionally want to sow discord. If you feel that way, come talk to us. Set up a meeting, have coffee with us, and we'll talk through it. And we'll end up in unity together, moving forward with the kingdom of Christ. So how has the enemy sown seeds of discord in your own life? Who could be against us? It's Palm Sunday. We have the palms out here. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that little donkey. People seemed to be in unity as they shouted Hosanna, but... They spread the palm branches in front of him and even put their coats down for him to walk on. But then we look forward to Friday and we see what happened when discord came and they, they split. They spread apart. They denied. The seeds of discord were sown. As Jesus was hanging there on that cross, not very long after he had prayed this prayer that we talked about today, discord had won the day because the people who were singing Hosanna weren't committed to the cause they thought they wanted to glorify the father but they had their own agenda they wanted Jesus to set up his kingdom right then and there they weren't committed to glorifying the father they were committed to themselves they were committed to their own cause if we look back in Psalm 133 where I read earlier verse verse 3 ends this way for there for there the Lord has commanded 
the blessing, life evermore. God commands that blessing on those who are walking in unity. You know, a lot of times we pray for blessing. Instead of praying for blessing, let's walk in unity and see what happens when God commands the blessing on us, a body of Christ, unified together. Imagine the force that our church, that Jesus' church will have if we're all committed in unity together. What if we all committed ourselves to the cause of glorifying Jesus by using our Holy Spirit gifts to build up the body, to build each other up, to build people, to build leaders? Imagine if we all found unity with our church's vision to raise up a body of believers, to build communities, build people, families, and leaders so that we can all know and enjoy God together in unity. Imagine how the world's view of God would be different. How the world's view of God would be different if his church was one was unified together so many of the world's excuses for not following him would simply go away would simply be gone because the church is in unity committed to the cause bringing glory to the father if only if only we could be the answer to Jesus prayer that they may all be one just as you father are in me and I in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Let's be committed to the cause together, unified, moving together, so that the world may believe that God has sent Jesus and that makes all the difference in the world. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, Father, that that Jesus prayed this prayer for us it for us, for those of us here in this room to be unified together, Lord. And I pray that you would tear down those walls that separate us, that you would bring us together, Father, if there have been hurts in the past, Father, that there would be forgiveness. If there have been misunderstandings, that there would be clarity. Father, so that your kingdom can move forward by glorifying God the Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.